Got Al Williams on the line. Al, over there in Perth, when you should be here in Sydney, cheering on your mighty giants as they storm into September. How are you doing today? I am very well. I've just come back from uh, down south in the Margaret River region. Spent some time in wine country down there at a film festival. So, look, a little dusty, but I'm feeling I'm feeling very positive. Al, I don't want to hear dusty here. It's finals footy. We had a week off. I've been bored as hell. There is no NBA <laughs> to be had anywhere. The NFL hasn't started yet. I'm not an EPL guy. Maybe I need to get into that this time of year. But finals footy is here. The roast is coming out of the oven. The kids have put out the cutlery and the table is well and truly set. We have eight teams remaining in the competition and I reckon any of them can win the flag. And I genuinely mean that except for the Essendon Bombers. Shout out Essendon. Um, I was going to say that's a, that's a seven out of eight for me. Well, um, the most interesting thing I think at the moment is that we have two recent premiers and that is 2016 Western Bulldogs and 2018 West Coast Eagles occupying spots outside the top four. That is awesome, and they could really cause some havoc going forward. But before we get into all great things finals footy, and you can talk a little bit about your wine adventures down there in the southwest of beautiful Western Australia, you have a Giants jersey on. No one can see this. All you listeners out there, Al has his Giants jersey on. I can see Skoda on the front, which is a throwback to a bygone era. But let's talk about Stephen Canelio first up. Your boy, the pride of Western Australia, no one calls him that, but we call him that, has re-signed with the Giants for seven years, roughly $7 million. But we don't know the exact amount because transparency, blah, blah, blah. What does that mean for the Giants and for that club? Okay, first of all, I'm just going to set the scene. I'm uh, sitting in a spa and I got, I reckon about 20 text messages in a minute. And I went, something's going on here. Check Twitter, saw it, scenes, absolute scenes. It was, uh, you know, I was splashing my friends. It was great. It how was many, one of how, whoa, whoa, how, how many people were in the spa at this point? Oh, look, it was just me and uh, my friend Travis. But um, <laughs> you know what? He got, he copped a fair few splashes. And um, no, mate, I was absolutely stoked. Stephen Cornelio is um, my favourite player at the Giants, I think the future captain of the Giants. Um, and it gets to a point with us losing, you know, players and, and being the, the feeder club and all those narratives around the Giants. When someone like Cornelio re-signs, I think it changes the dynamic of how long the Giants premiership window stays open, what kind of club they are, um, the the makeup of the club and the culture of the club. I mean, next year, of course, we're going to have, you're already seeing articles, Lockie Whitfield, Jeremy Cameron are, are coming out of contract. You see a guy like Cornelio re-sign, you see a, probably a future captain there. And, um, you know, I think I think it makes people's decisions easier. you got Josh Kelly uh, re-signing earlier in the year. I, I was a little more confident with Kelly re-signing. I knew, like, I knew, News. I'd had some info <laughs> sent to me. How subtle of uh, you to uh, to describe it in that fashion. Mm, mm. But um, but Cornelio, not uh, as confident. Well, we talked I earlier can... in the year, and you thought he was potentially gone. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think he genuinely wasn't sure. Um, so I'm stoked, absolutely stoked. Scenes in the spa. Um, yeah, fantastic. We need to have B- a separate, really big for the club. Really we need to have a separate podcast to dive into what exactly you were up to in the southwest of WA at this film <laughs> festival. But that is for another time. For me, I think. It validates every decision the club has made around the people that it let go. I mean, some of those were not its choice. I mean, if they had their time again, I guarantee you Adam Trelaw is still on that team and still forming a bedrock of the Giants midfield. But, for example, just recently we're looking at Scully and Shield, and we were talking about how Patton is going to go. We talked about Taylor Adams. The words fire sale were being thrown around at the Giants. Yep. And really the Giants were looking at it this way. They were looking at it as two people. Can we keep Josh Kelly and can we keep Stephen Cornelio? Because we rate them internally, and I know that this is true, as the best of that entire crop. I'm talking about the recent crop. I'm not talking about um, about Trelaw, as I say, because he is a very, very excellent player as well. But they said these are the guys that we need to hang on to and we need to have salary available to do so. Now, even then, they didn't have as much salary as the likes of Carlton and everyone else sort of had at their disposal. But it was the strength and character of that club and something that not many people get to see. And I'd love to hear you speak about the character of that club in a moment because it's obviously played such a huge role in keeping them at the Giants. And you know me, I love anything that stops big entitled Melbourne clubs thinking they can just be big (laughs) entitled and just get whatever they want. I think Carlton were the perfect example. They're like, look, we won a few games. Aren't we now incredible? Please give us the thing that we deserve. We deserve the Canelio. Please and thank you very much. And he is a person who turned his back on all of that and turned his back on that for a long period of time. Seven years will, as the you know Instagram said, make him a giant for life. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of trash that was being talked uh, by uh, Carlton fans and, and Hawthorne fans uh, was incredible. It, earlier in the year, there were, there were a lot more horses in that race um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is actually huge um, for the Giants football club. So, yeah, uh, it, it's just um, it's one of those things as well. You know, y- you had sort of Callan Ward and Phil Davis, as you were saying, they go, who are our future captains? Um, and it's it's going to be Cornelio and Josh Kelly, most likely. That might happen next year. Um, they do have a co-captaincy policy at the Giants, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And then it, then you look at, okay, well, who's the next? Then you've got Taranto and Hopper, and you go, okay, we're more likely to keep those guys, you know, to, to, to come through. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's, it's huge. I mean, the people around the club, the way that the club um, – uh, uses its players, the way that the media interacts with fans, it's really good. It is, it's been fantastic. If you follow the uh, the Giants on Twitter or Instagram, like their content is is top notch. So, um, yeah, I think the way they go about it has been has been great. If you said to me at the beginning of the year, who would I rather have, Dylan Shield, Tom Scully? or Tim Taranto. I wouldn't have picked Tim Taranto, and now I absolutely would. I think he... I never thought he'd be such an inside-out player that he has become. He obviously is not blessed with a lot of speed, but they have lots of other players within their midfield who can Mm. do a lot of those things. If you have a centre-bounce combination 
of Canelio, Kelly, and Taranto going forward. I'm leaving aside Callan Ward, who obviously is not playing at the moment with a knee injury. And I Hopper, mean, yeah. And well, at Hopper, I mean, I was never a great believer in Hopper. I've said that on the pod before, but I went to that Sydney derby and I watched him play. And it was the best game of football I'd ever seen him play. When you're at a game, as I said at the time, you can sometimes not realise who the inside ball winners are because you can just kind of see who goes on a run. If there's on the other side of the ground, you don't really get to see what's happening there, who's firing out the handballs and so on. And watching him, you knew where he was at any given time. So much so I was sitting next to someone who was at their first Giants, Giants game was like, there's number two out there. That guy's killing it. I was like, yeah, it's Jake Hopper. He's yeah. mental. No, he he is huge. And he did have a bit of an interrupted um, run of it with, with a back injury, lower back injury. Uh, and I think that kind of kept him... Um, maybe from from really uh, accelerating as quickly as as Taranto has. Um, so yeah, I think I mean Taranto's a gun. You could see it coming. Uh, it's just that he's he keeps kind of leveling up this year, and he's he's going to be elite, um, which is awesome for us because he's also they're both under twenty two. Um, so Jesus. they're going to be he's huge. Under you know, these, these are the guys that. You know, in 2016, that was kind of your Canelio and your and your Kelly and your like they're that next step. So now that those guys are coming into their prime and you have those young players coming through, um, you you throw in uh, Taylor in the back line, which who has been monstrous uh, this year. And um, Aiden Jeremy Core can't get his spot back. He can't do it. I I yeah, I mean one that that back line's quite big. But he's just he's just so good. He doesn't make bad decisions, which is what you want in defender. So yeah. Well let's we're gonna talk more about the Giants soon. Obviously, this is our finals preview. We're talking all things narrative on this podcast. Ooh, yeah. We're not necessarily going hardcore stats, we're going hardcore narrative. But before we do, what I find interesting is I mean, it's true that Whitfield and Cameron are coming out of contract at the end of next year. I would back them to re-sign those two at the moment, just on gut feel. I don't know where necessarily they could do better, and I'm sure the Giants bookkeepers have a little bit of money squirreled away for both of those two players, especially Jemery Cameron, who has known no other club who started there as a 17-year-old. I know Whitfield was drafted there, pick number one, but Cameron's been there since the very, very, very inception of the Giants. And if they managed to do that, and even if they lost, say, one, all those questions about, yeah, I mean, the Giants are good, but can they keep all of this together? They've proved that they generally can. And as we've said before on this podcast, they always get return on the players that leave. They had two first-round picks that came into the club this year, and they've got two first-round picks that are coming into the club this year as well. Thank you, Dylan Shield, very much. So they yeah, always I think it's 11 get... and 13, so... That's a pretty good uh, return. Hey, for... baby, wait till that priority pick comes in. Do not count that <laughs> yeah, pick exactly yet. Right. Uh, before we get into our narratives, I just had a few things I wanted to cover off. I've just seen today, we're recording this on Monday night, it should come out on Tuesday, that the St Kilda Football Club are very, very close to signing Brett Ratton as their senior coach. And that would make it three out of three caretaker coaches ended up getting the job at their club which has not happened in 10 to 12 years. I'm forgetting off the top of my head where Matthew Primus was. I want to say 2007, which would make it uh, 12 years, but I could be wrong. It could be 2009. Either way, this is and a that phenomenon. Was, that was one caretaker coach taking over That was job. one caretaker coach. The one before that was Mark Harvey at Fremantle, 
was the last one. Maybe that one actually was 2007 and Primus was later. I'm forgetting, but it doesn't matter. This is not a phenomenon that's happened in a decade. And now we've seen three caretaker coaches be appointed. And I think then you have to look at this and sort of say, well, this is, I don't want to say an epidemic because they might end up to be good, but this is something that has never happened and now has all happened at once. So clearly you- there's a correlation between all this. I don't think you can sit back and say, well, objectively everyone made this conclusion at the exact same time for completely independent reasons. Something has caught on in the competition that has led to this sort of happening. And I'm interested to know what we think that is. Why is it this has never happened and all of a sudden this has completely happened? Do you think it's just the natural progression of uh, the amount of people that are in those top jobs that, you know, people retire, people move along? Uh, Do you think they've just sort of run a few fair few of those had run through a few clubs and it was just time that they they kind of had to like where do you think you know scott wasn't going to go to another club because no club was going to pick him up lion's an interesting one um to get so close with st kilda do quite i thought was doing quite a good job um at the dockers shouts to my guy so (laughs) yeah yeah so do you think that it was just that there were there weren't that many options. Um, I I dispute that because if we're seeing anything from the Fremantle experience, they are going out there and very proactively finding people who might be good for the job. I mean, never forget mm. uh, Adam Simpson is a Premiership coach. He had mm. coached nowhere else before landing at West Coast. I mean, I'm talking about a senior coach that is. We're talking about Brendan Bolton as well. We're talking about I mean, just off the top of my head, Dimmer was never a senior coach beforehand. We seem to do this thing in the AFL where if you have coached at one club at the highest level, you rarely get the chance to coach another club at the highest level. And I don't really know why that is because surely that experience, even if you failed at it, is pretty invaluable to lead you as to be a good coach in the future. I mean, look at anything from other sports. Look at NBA coaches, NFL coaches. Talk about EPL coaches. I mean, if you make it to the highest level there, you can bounce around forever getting a senior coach gig because you have that experience behind you. And if you're telling me that someone like Michael Voss had absolutely nothing to offer, I would absolutely dispute that. If you're telling me, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head who's someone else who might deserve another go at the top. Um, Yeah, I'm blanking on that now, but my point is still. (laughs) (laughs) My point is still that we seem to do that. And it comes down to a few things. Number one, I think the easiest appointment was Reese Shaw. It seems like that they wanted him for a long time. And the only thing that's standing in the way was Brad Scott. So they get rid of him. I said this on the pod with Marnie Cohen before, that the Teague train feels like it was driven by various people to railroad the board into making that decision. And I fear for them long term then, because everyone seems to love him and that's all well and good. But if you start the season again, 0-5, oh, oh who's who's driving the Teague train then? Where is all that goodwill? It's going to mean nothing so fast. And they rushed that decision. They didn't interview anyone else in a substantive way. I mean, they got Voss and things like that, but I don't think they really considered them because other people really wanted this guy to be it. And as for Brett Radden, it hasn't all shaken out yet. But are you telling me that you didn't see the need to really go talk to Justin Longmuir, to go talk to Voss, to talk to any of these people who are out there already coaching in the world to see if they wanted another crack at it. I don't know their process yet. I'm just saying that something has taken hold where all three of these have happened and time is going to tell whether that's just going to be like the madness of 2019. 
So out of those three, how many do you think will succeed or will get a pass mark next year? Uh, two. Yeah. yeah. And nine of them will be Carlton's. And how many of those teams do you think will make finals? Finals Sorry, it's is a, it's a long way away. But finals like is is finals take... is irrelevant for me because what what use is finishing seventh or eighth and getting bounced only to fall back down the ladder the next year? Ask mm. Melbourne what what in the long term making finals meant for them this season. I mean, they still sorry, may they did, still may bounce back. We don't know. Did you just mention a football club? <laughs> I think I did. I think I med- mentioned a ski chalet nestled somewhere <laughs> yeah. in the French Alps. Uh, just dust just dust <laughs> one thing i've really enjoyed recently is i'm getting emails from dale orcock the president of Fremantle, followed very hastily by emails from nat fife the captain all assuring me <laughs> that everything is really really super great and fine and i have nothing to worry about but the most worrying thing i found in those emails is i think it was in nat fife's email when it said you know, we're Fremantle fans. We stick through thick and thin. I know a lot of people are thinking about jumping ship to something else. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think anyone's thinking that, mate. We know that we're here for unfathomable sadness. We know the pact. We signed the contract ages ago and we read the fine print. We're here for all your misery that you can just heap upon us. That made me think about sort of changing clubs. And I wonder if that genuinely does happen. I wonder if you can wake up as a 35-year-old St Kilda fan and go, you know what, stuff this. The Hawks look like a really, really good road. I wonder if that actually happens because I didn't think that was a legitimate concern. That struck me as panic. That struck me as pure Perth-induced fishbowl panic. I will say one thing that I've noticed being back in Western Australia for um, only a week now, that the media here is mental. Like, it's just different. Like, I, you know, in Sydney, the NRL and the AFL, it's, it's you know, it's a pretty good spread. Once the Dockers, of course, once the Dockers were um, not going to make finals, the Eagles stuff. Like, there was a, um, there was an article in the paper this morning that spanned six pages that was purely the F- Eagles' 50 best moments in, his, in Eagles history. I, and I was like... <laughs> What is going on? Six pages. I mean, sure, there's probably not that much to um, talk about. What do you think number one is? Oh, Dom Sheed's goal. That's what I said as well. But no, it was the first flag. I was like, oh, come on. No, that's with all 12 people watching. Fuck that. But to to go uh, back to your point, so I think it's tough, right? I think the way that we've set it up and and the way that other people support is you get a you bet cop a bit of flack if you switch clubs. You do, especially from diehard supporters. Um, well, you switched from the club. You made the switch. Well, I've switched. So what I'm saying is that I, there are a few times when you can. Um, and one is the time <laughs> when I did it. When I did it, yeah. When when you move uh, move city and a new club, or there's a new club formed, or a new club is formed from where you are from. Um, originally where there wasn't a club. So if you grew up on the Gold Coast or you live on the Gold Coast and they start the Gold Coast Suns, uh, you make that that mistake. Hey, man, Gary Ablett's coming. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be great. God's light will shine down upon us. Oh, and there'll be cocaine there as well. It's just going to be sun, cocaine. Oh, my God, sun and snow. It'll be like God's light on the crisp, crisp, crisp Gold Coast snow. I like it. That should have been their marketing campaign. 
I was just thinking as well, the thing with the Gold Coast is they're playing football in winter when no one's at the Gold Coast. You know, it's, it's like, if only it was a summer game, that team would be, uh, you know, it would, the, the crowds would be full. I don't want to put the boots in too hard to Gold Coast because we all know how fast the wheel can turn in football and you're Carlton one week and the next week you're the Brisbane Lions and it can shift really, really, really fast. So... I am reserving my judgment on really putting the boots into them hardcore because, uh, yeah, I don't know I, when I don't know where Fremantle are going to be, man. So I'm just trying to get that in karma insurance try to come my way. I was just shooting a, a show in Melbourne for a couple of months, and I went and saw a lot of Closer. a lot of football while I was there. Um, and I went to a Gold Coast game because you know at having that uh, expansion team solidarity. I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I went to the game against Collingwood. And I went and sat in the Gold Coast cheer squad because I was like, you know what? I want to feel what this is like. They got abused for the whole game. Like, they copped it. And, I mean, they were copping it on the field. Um, But, wow. You're like a war correspondent. You're just coming in there and viewing all their misery and taking your photos and your stories and pissing off. Mm. (laughs) And it felt good too. It wasn't good. I don't know how on this podcast we always end up talking about the Gold Coast Suns. They are not in the finals, Al. We are not here to talk about the Gold Coast Suns. We are here to talk about finals narratives. We're here to talk the cheddar that no other podcast dare grate onto their plate. And we're going to start off on Thursday night we have a very, very interesting, from a narrative point of view, game with the West Coast Eagles hosting the Essendon Bombers in an elimination final in shocking fashion by losing to the Hawthorne Hawks in round 23 and also by losing to the Richmond Tigers in round 22. West Coast have fallen from their lofty perch of second all the way down to fifth. They are the reigning premiers. They are ropeable to be in this situation. And the Dons are the worst team statistically to make it into the finals. They are in eighth. They deserve to be in eighth in every sense of the word. And if I'm thinking of a narrative for the Dons, I mean, let's be real. They are facing a team that could have easily finished second, who now finished fifth in a do or die final, an entire continent away in front of a, shall we say, very vocal West Coast crowd their narrative has to be the bill simmons no one believes in us narrative he is big on that and i'm big on it too they are the ultimate just throwing caution to the wind no one thinks we can achieve this task we have absolutely nothing to lose if we get belted by 80 points that'll be a footnote in history but we have to go out there and just simply show everything that we have and if they win it would be the most shocking result of the entire weekend's footy what do you reckon yeah, I think you're bang on. My take for Essendon was just don't worry. Be happy. Just be happy you made the finals because you probably shouldn't have. And I, when Essendon have been at their best this year is when they've been at the second half of games, out of it, down by 30. They did it to us. Um, and when they play that kind of gambling football where it's like we win the clearance you know, we're going to go kick goals. If they win the clearance, we're going to get cut up. Um, I think that's their only chance. It's all or nothing. Um, it's elimination final, so it's always going to be that. But I think if they come out with that 
against a team that plays that possession game, um, it it might give him a chance, maybe. But I don't think they'll win. I, it's interesting. I think the only way they're going to do it, if we're talking narratives, is West Coast have to beat themselves. They have to find a way in which Jack Darling and Josh Kennedy are sitting there having kicked two behinds each gone, man, are we really going out this way? Like, is this actually how it's going to happen right now? Um, and But it doesn't give me a lot of confidence that they are going to do that because they have very few players on this list who know anything of what that's like to win on a big stage. I mean... You can talk to me all you want about Dylan Shield and his finals experience. It is real. That man has played mm. in preliminary finals before. But I read something online, I think it was on Fox Footy, like, oh, and Jake Stringer, premiership player. People forget, dude. In 2016, in that final series, Western Bulldogs had the greatest four-week run ever in football. Ever in football. Jake Stringer straight up sucked, dude. That guy straight up was terrible the entire series. On grand final day, I remember him kicking a goal in the fourth quarter and asking everyone to get around me. I was like, mate, where have you been for four quarters of football? (laughs) You are the linchpin of this forward line and you are doing bloody nothing. We were at the game. I mean, I was at the game the Western Bulldogs played. GWS Giants will get to there soon in 2016. That guy did nothing there as well. Suddenly old Clay Smith was carving everyone up. He was like, fuck, you're not going to do it, mate? All right, I'll put you all on my shoulders. I'm Clay Smith and I'm going to run us over the line here. Mm. I mean, he, that I mean, is he, my... He kicked a great goal at the end, but that was... <laughs> well, I mean, that's his know. specialty then, isn't it? It's just yeah, getting exactly. in when it, the horse is already bolted. Uh, let's look at... I mean, there is some narrative around... I mean, this is the first time that uh, Essendon have made finals, obviously, since their infamous... Asada investigations and the doping mm. scandal that engulfed the club. Of those players who were actually suspended, only Tom Bell Chambers, oh, uh, uh, Tom Bell Chambers, Dyson Heppel, Michael Hurley, and David Myers are actually on their list and a chance to play. Although I think David Myers either has announced his retirement or is retiring. Either way, I don't think he's going to be making the trip over to Perth to play the game. For these players, there's a sniff of a redemption arc. Now it's not a full redemption arc mind you, because these were largely, I mean, we're going to get into a supplement saga sort of thing, but I mean, for them, there is a shades of redemption. It's the first time they've been able to go back to this stage since they were really thought they were promised a premiership in roughly 2012 when they were absolutely killing the entire competition. There's something in that for those players, but I don't think it rubs off on the entire team. I don't think beating West Coast and then going to lose the next week or the week after gives you that redemption that they really want and crave, which makes me realize that none of those players are probably ever going to get that. They're never going to get that closure of getting back there. And that's tough. I think that's going to be really difficult. I was just looking at Essendon's list and the amount of uh, players that they have contracted past 2020. Um, There are a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go and and how much Essendon supporters, how far they expect them to go. And I I feel like it's a little unrealistic at times. The other thing I had for West Coast is um, Bell Chambers going to get a bath if (laughs) Nick Nat comes in. BYOTL? Yeah, exactly. Bring out the Epsom salt. Bring him to the game. He, yeah, that's that's probably the biggest individual player in for the finals. Do you agree with that? For Nick Nat Nui, yeah, not sold on it. Oh, don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. Interesting. This is an injury riddled ruckman coming back for his first game who is injury riddled, and he has to play every single game. There are no weeks off now. 
You come yeah. back, you're playing in Perth, you're playing in Melbourne, you're playing in Melbourne or Brisbane Melbourne. or somewhere else, and mm. then you're playing in Melbourne again. I mean, there's no let off for him. And Tom Bell Chambers, man, he he's no scrub. You're not coming up against Reese Stanley or something like that. Full disrespect to Reese Stanley. Um, <laughs> I, I just think I just don't think it's a fait accompli. I think the bigger in would actually be Stephen Cornelio. If he came back, it'd be like Stone Cold coming through. Western Bulldogs have pooped their pants. I agree with that. Sadly, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Can you? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, he ruled himself out, so uh, I don't think so. No, it's <sighs> tough. No. As far as I'm tough concerned, I think the guy. bigger, you know, yes. Cornelio, obviously huge in, and he would come in in the second week of finals if we made it. The bigger in there is, uh, well, is the huge um, in would be Haynes. Oh, yes. Well, I think Haynes is expected massive. to be named, but we are not talking about GWS yet. We're saving yet. all our GWS content. Let's talk about Eagles narratives. They're in a tough spot narrative-wise because I've said this on this podcast before. There are no narratives in a back-to-back. There is narrative in a three-peat. There is no narrative in back-to-backs. Now, they've given themselves a slight narrative edge by somehow inexplicably going from premiership favourites to falling to fifth. But there is no narrative at the moment for this particular game. There is none. No, th- There's the anti-narrative, which you always have to be careful of. If you win, it's a footnote in history. Great, you beat the Bombers, but then you had to go do X, Y, and Z. If you lose, man, you talked about that Perth media, they will savage the Eagles. Imagine if they went lost to Richmond, lost to Hawthorne, bombed out first week of finals against eighth-placed Essendon at home when they should have been playing in a prelim final by their standards. The anti-narrative is strong there, man, and I'm scared of it. I'm spooked. I would look forward to the six-page spread of the 50 (laughs) worst worst. (laughs) moments in Eagles history in the West Australian. Um, I couldn't think of anything better. Well, um, what would be would no, never, what would be number never, one never of the worst moments? Australian it's still <laughs> this somehow eclipses two thousand and five. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's dangerous. I mean, there's still narrative for the likes of the three players who missed last year: Nick Nat, Shep, and Gaff. Uh, for me, the only really compelling narrative of them. I mean, there is for Gaff. I mean, he was self-inflicted wound, blah blah blah. But there's something about the Nick Nat narrative. He has always been the face of that club, even when he's been off of the team and he's really been the prince of Perth I mean Fife has tried to wrestle that crown off of him and he's never really managed to do it maybe briefly in 2015 when he was the Brownlow medalist and everyone's like oh he drives a helicopter isn't he great but after that it's been firmly like if Nick Nat tweets it's news and for him to stand up on that podium having won it all would be very very significant for that team for their supporters and for the AFL, I feel more generally. But they're also a little bit robbed of that narrative because you give them the narrative edge on the coming from fifth, but the Bulldogs did it just recently. Mm. They've been robbed of that. Well, no one's, ever, no one's ever done it from outside the four before. Oh, until someone did it from seventh. So your fifth looks paltry. I mean, it's, I, it's, a, tough, it's a tough spot to be in narrative-wise. I heard someone refer to Basil Zemplis as the Prince of Perth today, which is probably the most... Uh, the biggest fresh air swing I've ever heard. He's definitely not. Yeah, I, I agree. I am um, the Prince of Perth. Boy, ooh, how about ooh. that? Um, you know, I I agree with you. You, you. You're bang on with the second one. Yes, yes, the first. Yes, the three, Pete. But on a narrative way, I was thinking, I was trying to think, okay, how do we get? I'm going, yeah, 
big bodies stand up in finals, the way they draft, the way they go about it. But I just went, oh, do I want to see another West Coast? Does it excite me? No. Well, West Coast fans will try sell me on, oh, but we came from fifth and I'm just not buying it. No. I'm not. I've seen it done and I've seen it done in more dramatic fashion. And again, I'm looking at micro narratives here. I'm looking at Nick now. I'm looking at Shep. I'm looking at those sorts of things. They don't quite stack up for me. But one thing I will say is if Collingwood lose the game we're about to talk about and West Coast win, West Coast are rolling to a prelim, man. West Coast are rolling on in there. So Collingwood better stage some highway robbery at the MCG. Oh, yeah. Shall Shall we talk about that? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into highway robbery. All right, Geelong narrative. We're talking about Friday night at the MCG. Geelong hosts Collingwood in probably the biggest game. And I don't mean that in terms of best. I just mean biggest spectacle. We're talking Friday night. We're talking the MCG. And we're talking two ginormous Melbourne clubs who will be going at it. I don't necessarily think it will be the best game. Those two best games, I think, will both be reserved for Saturday. And we will talk about those. But Al, hit me with the Geelong finals narrative. Go. It's the last chance for the three Kings to get it done, isn't it? Yeah. It is the last chance. I mean, this Al, is... you've said Kings. I've written dynasty here. We're thinking, we're thinking okay, similar, okay. similar lines. So I have a question for you on this one. The 1990 film, 1999 film, Three Kings. Ablett, Selwood, Danger. Which one's George Clooney, which one's Mark Wahlberg, and which one's Ice Cube? This is awesome. Okay. Okay. So George Clooney has to be Joel Selwood because he I is the- I immediately disagree with you. He's, no, no. I don't mean in terms of personality. I mean, like, if I'm thinking about framing the film, like he, right. he, you know, he won a premiership in his first year of 2007. He's like the old hand who gets the band- Together, I know what you're saying. He really should be probably something like Ice Cube or something like that. But I think, I think he's uh, George Clooney for my mind. Mm-hmm. Then I had who do I have? Ablett and Danger. Yep, Ablett and Danger. Okay, so, you've so got Mark Wahlberg. Ablett is. Um, oh God, no! I've kind of screwed this up, haven't I? Ablett is Ice Cube. Danger yep. is Mark Wahlberg. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I had I switched Danger as George Clooney. I can see that he's got great hair. He's the actual it, consummate, like you know, Lothario looking, whatever. Blah blah blah. I not get on it. a plot point, just purely on the visual. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I get it from there. But I'm just thinking, like, if, if Danger Field, he, I mean, Selwood has to be the guy who gets them all in on the plan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. It's good, but it is. I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they do drop out, losing. I'm I'm assuming they're losing Ablett um, at the end. He's not going to play again, I don't think. Um, and then maybe, don't know. Don't or know. and then you've got uh, Tim Kelly, who's probably going to go. That's going to look a bit different next year, I think. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of liking the narrative that this is this might be their kind of last chance to f- finish on top. Not that it did them too many favors um, playing at the MCG, but yep, that's that's what I'm going with. Yep, for me, they have the chance to be. The San Antonio Spurs of the AFL. Let me talk a bit about that. And talk. They have the chance to be the greatest modern dynasty of the AFL. 
And when we talk about eras in the AFL, we generally talk about three-peats. We talk about, well, look at what Hawthorne did between 2013 and 20. Uh, what am I saying? 15. We look at the Brisbane Lions and we go, oh, look at their three-peat there. And then we have these scattered teams who mm. sort of win one, maybe they win two, and then they sort of fall mm. off and maybe they're playing a grand final, blah, blah, blah. This is a team that has the chance to go 2007, 2009, 2011, 2019. And whoever, whatever anyone else knows after that as well. They have the chance to have gone through a dynasty and kept some of the same players. I mean, the person tying it all together, obviously, Joel Selwood is, the I think, the only one left of that mm. entire crop. He is this little lifeline between all of it that could just usher in this new era of Geelong, this new era of this team who still have the same coach, who have the same infrastructure, who have the same captain. You know what I mean? There's all these links that are still there to that team that could be then like passed it. on the legacy. Their legacy would be insurmountable if they were able to win it in 2019 to talk about this is the greatest club and the greatest team. And all those failures that fell within those years, you know, the, the missed prelims, the first round outs, everything like that, they would just be seen as stepping stones on their way to this promised land. And mm. that's really significant. And the other major thing, as you alluded to, is Dangerfield. I mean, there is a great yarn for Ablett. You know, he went to the Gold Coast, favourite son came back and won a premiership. He's also won a bunch. The more compelling one is Patrick Dangerfield. This is someone who has been for a long period of time one of the best players in the competition, arguably the face of the competition, because they'll never make Dusty the face of the competition. No matter how good he is, they will never do it. There is something about someone who plays in Geelong, has slicked back hair, tucks in his jersey and pulls off his socks that the AFL will just love over and over again. With Nat Fife, he is arguably the greatest current player to not have a premiership. Mm. And for him to win one, to put the ribbon on that legacy, would be huge for him. And I have a question for you. And it's not so much a question because I already have the answer, but still... For me, everyone's talking about the, the best of the decade. What was the best game? What was the best goal? I think Seven said it was Dom Sheed's goal. They said the best game was the Bulldogs and Giants in 2016. We're going to talk about that rematch real soon. Very excited. Yeah. And the best mark, I think, was Andrew Walker's, which makes sense. But no one's talked about the best what if of this decade. And I have my what if. I want to see if you agree with this. Yep. What if Patrick Dangerfield stayed at the Adelaide Crows? Oh, that's a, I mean. I mean, just, just hear me out on this. Hear me out on this, right? So he leaves as a 25-year-old. Oh, yeah. And he right. leaves at the end of 2015. Now, what's just happened? Well, Hawthorne Hawks have gone premiership, premiership, premiership. And let's not forget, in 2012, they should have won that premiership then. They got heisted by the Swans big time. And they were good even before that as well. They were playing in prelims in 2011 and getting beaten by Collingwood. So that all ends for them. And then the premiers from there, they go the Western Bulldogs. They go Richmond out of nowhere. Western Bulldogs certainly out of nowhere. And then we get 2018 with the Eagles out of nowhere as well. And the Adelaide Crows were in the mix in all of those years. They were in all of those finals. What if Patrick Dangerfield stays? Because also with the picks they got, they drafted Wayne Millerer. Full respect to Wayne Millerer. I think he's actually a really, really good player. He is not Patrick Dangerfield. They also got Dean Gore in that trade. None of that pivoted to them being a better team by his absence. 
I and maybe, wonder they, and maybe if, they do win. Maybe Jake Lever decides to stay. We just don't know. There's this great team that was assembled there. And all they needed was maybe a star to put them over the line. He's exactly the kind of player yeah. that that one-paced midfield lacks. That was the that was the point that I was going to make. He's not your cream player that you bring in to win, you know, to to just add a little dollop on the top. He's the guy. He's the guy. He's the guy that is dragging everyone over the line. Like he he's the guy that bursts through, kicks those goals, has explosive speed, and he's clearly very good for culture. And the AFL loves him. So it, it is one of those things you go, yeah, how many people do you lose from losing a player like that? You know, mm. a captain, really. Um, so, so how did I do? How is, do you, do you buy that what I'm selling there? I do. I think, I think they potentially, yeah, might've won one if he stayed. I think they might've won more. I mean, look at the Western Bulldogs winning mm. it in 2016. I mean, the Sydney Swans would have been a challenge, but they immediately fell off directly after 2016. True. Should have won 2017 without him anyway. And they True. definitely could have got up in 2018 as well. I mean, we're looking at two banged up sides in the Eagles and um, looking at two banged up sides, the Eagles and Collingwood who made it. And Collingwood knocked off Richmond, who still were the were worst the... team than Adelaide, even when they won it. I will say about your San Antonio um, comparison me. before that I think that I'd have to say that Hawthorne are more... San Antonio, purely based on having Popovich, Clarkson, comparisons. Sure, I see that. The amount of wins, the game style, the, the team first game style. Um, but I, I do love an NBA um, comparison, so thanks for that. Thanks it's for all four listeners who follow both of them. Uh, I think Geelong's also the case for the front runner, right? You were the best all year. You were minor premiers. You're number one in defense. You're number two in offense. It's a case for statistical excellence. It's a case for being the standard the entire way. It's a case for saying that you can talk all about your form at the end of the year and gosh, isn't this team on the rampage, blah, blah, blah. But we were best from day dot. We are the mm. best now and we will beat you on that day. If I'm looking at... Do, Col- you, th- oh, sorry, do you think that, you know, they haven't been fantastic since the buy, which is what everyone talks about. Do you I think another buy will either double down their... Uh, lack of ability after the buy, or reverse the curse of the buy. They will. Or reverse. does it not matter, and it's all just trash? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with option C, my friend. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll get up. I wager against all Collingwood, but let's talk about Collingwood's narrative. Let's talk about. For me, it's it's an interesting one because it's not quite redemption. Unfortunately, it's just a scrappy underdog team. It's the case for luck, right? It's the case for well, you know, we were robbed in 2018, although I dispute that they were. We've got a bunch of people who are coming back. We're talking about Dugowie's coming back from injury. We're talking Darcy Moore might not even be available at the time of recording this. I mean, Steel Sidebottom, he ruptured a nut. He legitimately had a testicle ruptured, which is horrible. Anything uh, that ruptures is not a good thing to have. It seems like everything is breaking against them, other than the fact that by pure happenstance, they have found themselves in the top four and capable of a double chance. When we were talking early in the year with Caleb, I had their season narrative as the empire strikes back. It's a little weaker than that. Now they've never really got to that point of really exerting themselves on this season. They're almost lucky 
to be in here. For me, it feels like a heist movie. It feels like if we can just bag this and get out of the MCG somehow with a win under our belts, suddenly it's a prelim and now we're getting into anything is possible territory. How far can they ride their luck? How much will the heist go to plan is what I'm interested in seeing. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, they have, you know, the cavalry arriving a little bit. Um, but I don't think it's going to do it, you know? I, I mean, having Dugowie back is huge. I think more back is huge. Even, Stephen said, I know you love a player that is, um, you know, an awkward matchup in the forward line. I do and love an awkward matchup. You do. He is a very awkward matchup. But it's just... They're sort of coming from that. They're all coming from different injuries. It's nice. It's got a bit of Ocean's Eleven about it. But yeah, no, they're going to get caught, but they're going to, they're all going to jail. Yeah. And as I say, if you are West Coast and you knock off Essendon, as you're seen to potentially do, storming into the MCG to face an injury ravaged Collingwood is just what you want to have happen. And on the converse side, imagine if Essendon do win. And you actually set up, because I mean, Geelong are a big, proud club, but they're not as big as Essendon, Hawthorne, Carlton, or Collingwood. And if you sure. get an MCG final, it's do or die, and it's between Collingwood and Essendon, that's a spicy enchilada. That is something <laughs> I'm going to watch with great interest. But let's move on to Saturday afternoon at 3.20 Eastern time, Western Cretton. We have the Bulldogs at... The GWS Giants. We have the rematch of 2016, the match of the decade in which the Bulldogs overcame the Giants, who were the premiership fancies to go on and win it all. What I do we am think? legitimately salivating <laughs> to watch this. As you were saying that, I was like, I I cannot wait. Like, I have, I, it's been too, I, Hot take. I love the buy. I love it. It's building. It it gets it's me. It's percolating in you. The lid is bubbling. So much trash. Like so much trash. <laughs> You're online. like, what are people saying on Bigfooty, man? Let's get on there. Let's figure it out. By the end of the first week, everyone's written everything that is genuine. And by the second week, it's just injury updates, really. Yeah. And yeah. so all these trash articles come out. And I read them all. <laughs> are you reading the piece <laughs> of like, are you reading the piece about like Where? Brett Daniels or something like, oh, he's really excited to be on this stage. And you're like, yum, 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 yum. Reddit, 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 Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> the small, small, I think it was like small giant, you know, takes big, or something like that. Um, Bailey Dale yeah. savoring the big stage. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> I'll have it all. Um, no, I'm, I'm super excited about this. I think a lot of people are really looking forward to it. Um, because of that 2016 final, which was the best game of footy I've ever seen. So I, you know, we've had a, basically a trash, um, month. We've got a lot of players coming back, um, and a lot of players coming back, which allows our, our players to go back to their original. Well, who is coming back? Let's spell it out. Who is actually coming back? We talked about Nick Haynes earlier in the program. Yep. You got Haynes coming back. You've got, um, well, Taranto is back. Hopper's back. So uh, Kelly's back. Whitfield, Green's back. Uh, oh, Green was only out for a week. And um, Delidio's on a test. I don't think Delidio's going to play. I, would, I wouldn't play him. Uh, oh, you'd play him. You would bring him back. Yeah, I said, I've seen him do some pretty good things in, in finals. The th thing is, like, if you're going to risk him, 
Um, I'd prefer he played in the first week of finals than the second. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's probably going to do a calf anyway. So, <laughs> so, no, but I mean, he is because he does every time. So you're like, well, you know, hopefully it happens in the third quarter, not the first. But um, DeBoer coming, uh, getting a couple of games, consistency, uh, consistency, which is fantastic. And and Taylor. So uh, with the same thing. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting. Some of the matchups are huge. Haint. If we get Haynes back, I will feel a lot better. He is a, a lot rock better. down there. He's unbelievable. I mean, I think it goes uh, for intercept marks. It goes Jeremy McGovern, Phil Davis, and Nick Haynes. Well, who would uh, go to who then, right? So who are their tall forwards? You've got Josh so, Shackey will get a well. He should get a bath from either Taylor or Phil Davis. Take your pick. Uh, you'll then have running through there Norton. Oh, so who would they send to Norton? Would it be Phil Davis or would it be? So Phil Davis goes to Norton. Phil Davis goes to Norton. Taylor will then go to Shackey. I, I, well, Bailey Dale's been playing very well. Yes, I would put potentially Heath Shaw on Bailey Dale. Isn't Bailey Dale quite large? Yeah, but he doesn't mark overhead. He's really mobile and gets around. He's, he plays as more like a tall, crumbing forward, if you know what I mean. He's not there going to wrestle you or anything like that. His, mm. My concern for him is he's going to run off and get marks on the lead and crumb things. You need someone who can then chase him around and then tackle him as soon as he does. That's my concern there. I have seen Taylor do that, so that's kind of why I was going to use Taylor. He's he's extremely quick and he his second efforts. I think and they're both quite yeah. I think that that's that's the matchup I had. Um whether they do that or not probably not. But um yeah, it's an interesting one. There's also the DeBoer um put him on uh, put conundrum. him on Dunkley. Put him on Dunkley, I reckon. Yeah, it's interesting. People go um I say put him give him another go on Bond. Yeah, it has to be Bont or him. I don't think McRae. McRae yeah. will sit out there in space and do little McRae yeah. things, and you don't want any part of that. No, we don't want any part of that. Although DeBoer is an, an, an elite runner, but the main thing that people sort of have been saying is he's not big enough. He's not big enough to go with the Bont. I had to look this up. DeBoer is six two and a half. He's, he's not, not yeah. little, and he's taken out some of the, you know, obviously he was in – all Australian conversations earlier in the year. That that is bullshit. He was not in all Australian. Co- Every year we hear about some tagger who's in all Australian contention. I didn't even think and they never pick. They never pick a tagger. They, they never do it. If they didn't pick Ryan Crowley in twenty thirteen or fourteen, whatever it was, they are never picking a tagger. Who was yeah. it before? And it was Ben Jacobs. Oh mm-hmm. man, I mean they got to consider putting him in for Ben Jacobs. Can we not have Ben Jacobs in the All Australian team for the love of God? Any more so than we have Matt DeBoer. But we're talking about narratives. But with Matt DeBoer, I think it's a a quick one where you go, you give him another chance. He has taken out earlier in the year a lot of those big body mids um, that can take over games. I I give him another chance at it. What is their narrative? For me, it's the kid grows up. This was the AFL's Rolls-Royce. They had an anything's possible year in 2016, suffered the heartbreak, and never got there since. They've finally been knocked around. They have their history now they're not just some club that got formed and they got handed everything on a silver platter they had to trade out lots of their stars they had to get return they had to go into the draft they had to sign their players to really hefty contracts in order to get in the state which they should have done they are no longer the rolls royce they're the 2009 hyundai gets and that is an (laughs) admirable thing to be 
and they yeah. still have the guys to sort of make this happen. I mean, I think they I think they could do it. I think everyone is sleeping on what this team could be and we're also relying just way too much on the Bulldogs' momentum. I mean, you have to look at who they beat and they have done some impressive things. They've also done some not impressive things. And if they're coming up there to Giants Stadium in a big final against a really battle-hardened team, I mean, you can talk to them about this is the team that won the 2016 Premiership, but it's actually really not. Mm. This is not the team that won that. There are certain players who are similar, but the vast majority are not. And I'm just wondering who goes and looks after Jeremy Cameron all day. That's a tough matchup, man. That's a you really also, tough matchup are, for anyone. You have Jeremy Cameron back in the side. You also have Himmelberg and then Finlayson. So we've got our big three back. Eastern Wood is going to have a sad defenders? time. Eastern Wood is going to try his goddamn heart out to try to stop any of that from happening. Mm. Now, the big thing is whether they get beaten around the ball, right? They've got big, big-bodied midfielders in Dunkley, in McRae, and in Bont. And for the Bulldogs' narrative... It really comes down for me that they are no one-hit wonder. That's what they're out there to prove. You have to prove that you are not an oddity, that you are a force. And that 2016 was a prophecy, and now this club and Bevo have come to collect on that. I mean, we talked about it before. It's the greatest four weeks in football, but we don't call them a championship list. We don't analyze them as to how they built this well-constructed roster that won it all in 2016. We almost remove them as outliers. And what if they did it again? What if they did it again from seventh where they're nestled yet again and their first assignment is to go there and whack the Giants again at Giants Stadium? That is a compelling narrative. I hate everything you've just said, (laughs) (laughs) but purely because it would mean uh, the Giants getting uh, bundled out, which they have never... um, the Giants rock up to, to to finals with a different level of intensity. They they have. They've never been knocked out in the first round, which is great. I had for the Western Bulldogs, I had uh, speed. If they drop below 50, it's the bus is going to blow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if they don't play that game style that they, you know, if they let another team, whether it be, um, you know, your sort of more possession, strong games, uh, West Coast, sorry, teams, West Coast or Collingwood, if they let them slow it down, um, yeah, it's all over for them. So it'll be it'll be a great game. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to seeing Williams play in the back line, Green play in the forward in the line, forward line, back where they all know, should be, where they belong, where they feel comfortable, where Green can kick five goals um, and be an awkward matchup. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's just going to be a, a stellar game. I I can't think of anything better than us beating them. And and so it's going to hurt if we lose. Well, you'll be watching over in Perth. I will be at the game. I could not be more excited. It is going to be excellent. I mean, we talked about um, West Coast and Essendon, and we said the winner of that goes to play the loser of Geelong and Collingwood. If Geelong lose, I would be nervous if I was West Coast or Essendon if they won, because I've been having to go to the MCG and play the first place Geelong. That would scare me a little bit. Collingwood, I feel like you were a red-hot chance. What's interesting in this game is, I mean, if Richmond lose against Brisbane that night, if you are the Giants or the Western Bulldogs, you have to go and play Richmond at the G, that would scare me. That would scare me a lot to go and do. If Brisbane lose and you are the winner of this game, say you are the Bulldogs or say you are the Giants and you have this huge win in Sydney and Brisbane, a team that hasn't been there before, 
They finished, you know, 15th last year with a 5-17 and 17 record and suddenly they've made their first big final at home and they flopped it. I would be extremely nervous if I was them. If I was any of the Giants or the Bulldogs, I would be licking my lips to go up to the Gabba and put them to bed once and for all. What do you reckon? I think that's our, our, our best chance forward. Um, I don't think anyone I, wants to go to the G and play Richmond there. I don't think anyone wants any part of that. However, it it does take away from a, a, a sort of uh, narrative that I was running in my own head, but I'm not actually sure it is possible, which is for us to beat uh, the Giants, to beat um, the Bulldogs back at the scene of the crime where we got beaten in 2016. Then to go to the MCG where we got knocked out in 2017 against the Tigers. Then go, I, I'm, I think we go back again if we can go back again and play Collingwood, that's the one I'm not sure if it's actually possible at the MCG again and beat them and win a bloody premiership. I mean, that, that, that's the ultimate dream for a Giants fan is to knock them all out and then win it. Um, but I do think that going, to, you're right, going to Brisbane after they get knocked around, they beat us um, on our deck. And I think we, we could, you know, if they get knocked, if they cop a little knock, um, we could we well, could knock them out. So what if Brisbane lose by forty points and we're never in it? You know what I mean on their home deck, and the crowd is just silent at halftime, and then we just play yeah. it out, and they go, oh, well, we've got next week. And say it's the Giants, for example. Say the Giants win in a thriller or win by thirty themselves, and they're celebrating, they're hugging, they're looking at themselves, going, we are going up there against a team that has way less finals experience than we do, and say Cornelio comes back or something like that, and suddenly you're thinking, well, geez, these guys might absolutely do it. Yeah, I think an up and about um, Giants, if they, I think either of those teams, the Western Bulldogs or the Giants, if if they kind of, whoever comes out of that game is going to be red hot. Um, yeah, I don't think you, you know, you really don't want to lose that, that first, that Richmond-Brisbane. No. Uh, whoever loses that. You know, whether it's at the, yeah, I think Richmond and the G is a harder matchup, but um, I wouldn't want to take on either the uh, resurgent dogs or, um, sorry, the dogs or who are like a momentum freaks or a, or, or a, a, a giants team that has, has, can taste blood in the water. Well, let's move to our final matchup, a Saturday double header, double feature, if you will. I think it's also the second best match of the entire round. It is the Brisbane Lions, the plucky Lions hosting mm. the all-conquering Richmond Tigers. I mean, I talked about Brisbane on a pod previously. The narrative for them is a star is born. And for me, <laughs> if this season was a movie, the protagonist is Brisbane. It has to be. Yep. This is a team, as I said before, that was 15th last year, who had not only been through a rebuild, but been through several rebuilds. I mean, shout out to Kayla McKenna and the wonderful research she did on the summer of Voss and the episode we did on the Brisbane Lions earlier, tracing back the Brisbane Lions last 10 years. But if you scripted, I mean, it would be Lockie Neal walking into the club with his best mate McCarthy and seeing a ragtag bunch of scrappers who he thought he could whip into being a team. You know what I mean? Like that is where they're at. Their narrative potential is off the charts, man. And yeah, it's it starts. I, with- I had too many. I had too many. <laughs> I had too many film. I've got a film. A film that's in the cinema at the moment is what I have them as. I don't think you'll get it, but I'll give you a guess. Yeah, hit it with me, man. What? Okay. Well, I've got them as Hobbs and Shaw. Fast and Furious. What a terrible, what a bad film to equate it, to the Brisbane Lions. Shame on it's you. Awful, but there's a good reason. 
it doesn't matter how many times those guys get hit. Not a bruise. Not <laughs> one bruise. They are blessed by the heavens with no injuries. Look at you reaching for that attitude. one. Look at you just reaching across the bar for that one oh, there. It's a, it's a long bar. It's a long <laughs> way across to get that bottle. Um, and my other hot take is that uh, Lockie Neal can time travel. Um, and I think he's done that. He, he saw the future and I love it. I it love, hurts. I love Watching I him carve it up hurts my soul. <laughs> I know. It must hurt. He was the yeah. piglet that was foretold. He was the heir to Dane Swan's pigginess, his snout so firmly in the trough, and now he does it for another team. It hurts. It does. It does. But, I, I, I you know, as much as it's difficult uh, to say it, it, it I, I love the way that Brisbane are playing. I went and watched... Um, I went to a pub in, in, in Melbourne that was, you know, an AFL pub that was packed and watched the, the Geelong um, the Geelong game, Brisbane game a couple of weeks ago, and it was going off. Like, that game was incredible. I think they're a real chance. Um, love to see it. Well, let's talk about the narrative from Richmond, the revenge tour. Yep, five wins in the last five games. Sydney Stack potentially coming back. I think um, he's out. He's out, is he? I think he's out. Okay. But I don't think that hurts him too much. No, I don't think it does either. Every way you slice it, um, they win, I think, except one. So I have them as Thanos in Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> in. I like that. <laughs> so they Better than Hobson Shaw, baby. That one plays more. They have all the pieces. Um and you know you need you need a time traveler to look back <laughs> and go through every single scenario like Lockie Neal and uh, and pick the one where they win it. So I I think Richmond are probably the the best uh, situated to win to win the flag. Um, but wow, if Brisbane can knock them out, it'd be it'd be pretty amazing. So that's what I've got for Richmond. Uh, I also have no love for them um, as a former supporter, which is um, <laughs> what it is. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got. How about you? Oh, I've got them, as I say, on the revenge. It's the total vengeance narrative. It is the bride in Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill. It's all of those things. It was just, I was left for dead. I need to reclaim the things that are rightfully mine. Collingwood like to think they have a revenge to a case. They don't at all because they never had the thing to actually lose it to begin with. I mean, this is a club who think that they were robbed last year. Robbed absolutely blind by Mason Cox of all people. That is they what they just got. Beat though, they, you know. That, you know that, what I mean? But that is—that's what they—that's what they would believe. Same way that Geelong in two thousand eight would believe they were robbed on Grand Final day, and sure. whether you believe it or not is not necessarily the case. I mean, you look at something like the boys that came out recently, which is a revenge thing as well. The revenge is ultimately, you know, seen to be not true. It's not really a real arc. It's something that someone's spoiler, invented spoiler, in spoiler, their. Spoiler. Spoiler. Well, yeah, whatever. It's something someone's invented in their minds to push them through everything, and that's what yeah. Richmond certainly have at the moment. So I would say it's the case for, I think Thanos is a good one. What is it? The like, um, all your failures have led you just back to me and he closes the fist. That's what Richmond, that's what they're channeling big time on this. So there's not a huge narrative, but there's something to be like balance has been restored in the universe. You robbed us once, you wrote us off again. We fought through all the shit to reclaim the thing that was rightfully ours all along. 
And then this sneaky time traveler, Lockie Neal, comes back. That's Lockie Neal. That's when he beats them. He beats, they beat Lockie Neal in this game. And then he shows back up at the grand final, having been injured the entire time. That's exactly it. He comes through the portal. I love it. Uh, So what's up? What are our picks then with who do you think will actually win it? Let's go from the top. West Coast? Yep. West Coast win uh, for me. Too strong, too big. Um, in finals footy, that that just it stands up. You see it. You saw it last year. Uh, too big, too strong down back um, and everywhere, really. So, yeah, I think in finals footy, those those big bodies make a difference. I'm going West Coast as well. Geelong and Collingwood, who you got? Jeez, this is the – I think this is the hardest one. I feel bad for Geelong not playing a home final. Um, it's trash. Uh, they should. I do as well. I do as well. Uh, I think I'm. I haven't picked, but I'm. I think. Guns to your head go, right now. Who are you picking? I'm going Collingwood. I think no. Collingwood. Mm. Uh, you're going for the heist movie. You want Ocean's Eleven, and I love it. I'm going I, to I love. Oh, I'm going the statistical brilliance. I'm going that it pays to be the front runner. Now, Bulldogs, Giants. Who you got? We got the Giants, mate. And yeah, you got to you got to wear it. I got the Giants as well. I'm invested. You got to. I'm going to rep them. You got to rep them. And and they're a fun team. You know, if if they get up, they win that one. Any anything's possible. And the hardest one, Brisbane, Richmond. Who you got? I've got Brisbane. I'm going. We believe Brisbane, baby. Anything's possible, baby. I, you know, we're storytellers by trade, you know, and I want the Brisbane yarn. I don't want the revenge yarn. I want the we did it yarn, the yes, we can yarn. That's what I want. Yeah. And on their home deck, they're hard. You know, they, they didn't lose by a lot in that last round. Um, yeah, I think they can do it. And I am excited to watch that. That'll be amazing. It is going um, to be a ripping weekend of football. We got four games. It's the last time we're going to have this many games in a round. I'm super here for it. And thank you so much, Al, for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. Thank you. Go Giants.